Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Small Town fam. How are you doing? I hope you're all well and that today is treating you right. As we prepare for the new season of Small Town Dicks, we thought we'd reach back into our Patreon archives and share a few episodes that most of our listeners haven't heard. Starting with this one from Detective Dawn, who gave us Firestarter in Season 7. This episode is the first of several gems we'll be releasing during this hiatus, so keep your ear to that podcast app. Or you can join our small town super fam over on Patreon, where you get exclusive content every week, hiatus or not. Either way, we love that you're here. Thank you so much for listening. Now settle in for No Sale, a cautionary tale about trusting your gut. I'm Yardley. This is Detective Dan. Hey there. And his identical twin brother, Detective Dave. Hello. And this is Small Town Dicks. You'll hear detectives from small towns around the world discuss their most memorable cases. We cover the intimate details of what went wrong and what went right. As these dedicated men and women search for justice and crack the case. Names and certain details have been changed to protect the privacy of the victims and their families. So please join us in maintaining their anonymity out of respect for what they've been through. Thank Thank you. you. Today on Small Town Dicks, we have the usual suspects. We have Detective Dave. Good afternoon, Yardley. Good afternoon, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. You're great. And we have Detective Dan. Hello. Hello, Dan. Hi. (laughs) Shy today. And we are so pleased to welcome a new guest to the podcast, retired Detective Dawn. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This is great. So, Dawn... You have a really interesting case for us today. Why don't you just launch in and tell us how this case came to you? So this happened a few years ago, I think 2009. And I received a telephone call from a personal friend. And she was pretty upset when she called me. And she's like, I was in this aquarium store, fish store. And I think the guy touched me. And I was like, what? And she's like, I don't want to report this. I just want to talk to you about it. And I was like, okay. And she said, I was wearing a sweatshirt and I think he touched my breasts on purpose. Like a stranger? Like the owner of the shop. (gasps) 
I know, it's crazy, isn't it? And so she talked about it and I said, do you want me to go look at it? No, 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 I don't want you to go down there. I don't want you to talk to him. I'm not even sure if he really meant to do it, but he did it more than once. And so she says, I just wanted to warn you, don't let your daughter go in there because I'm not going to let my daughter go in there. How old was your daughter? At the time, I think she was about 12. And I don't even like fish, so there was really no chance of me going in there. But now I was on high alert. And this guy... um, In a lot of smaller towns or medium-sized towns, there's like the creepy guy that everybody knows is creepy, but nothing ever really happens with them, right? And this was the creepy guy. So is this like an aquarium type store? Yeah, it's like a fish store. Okay, pet fish and stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm tracking. Okay. (laughs) Everybody has a fish, right? Uh, No. No. Right? No. So that kind of put me on high alert. And on the heels of that, I had a mom call me. And that mom called me and she's like, "Um, I need to talk to you about being in this fish store. And it's like, whoa, wait, it's only been a week, right? And I'm getting another call. And so she's driving as she's calling me. And she said, the first time I was in there was like three or four months ago. And I think that this guy was touching my breasts and he was calling me hot. And she said, it just was really creepy and I couldn't get out of there fast enough. And then just recently I went in again, she says, with my three children and my mom, because I thought I would be safe with all these people. And this fish guy was creeping her out again and talking to the mom about whorehouses because mom was visiting from Las Vegas. What? Yeah, this is grandma that he's talking to and telling grandma how hot the adult daughter was, right? And the kids are kind of wandering around the fish store a little bit and there's a 12-year-old daughter, her name's Grace. So Grace is wandering around this fish store and he kind of corners her and asks her, do you want to play a game? And she's like, okay, not thinking anything of it. So he says, put your hands out. And so she puts her hands out kind of like she's riding a bicycle. Mom's saying, and he tickled my daughter. And I said, oh, well, where did he tickle her? And she said, Grace, where did that guy tickle you? Well, he tickled me right here by my private areas. And mom just burst into tears, right? And so I'm like trying to calm her down and talk her down while she's driving. Where are you? And she's like, I'm right by the police department. Come on in. So they came in and talked to me and I couldn't let mom be in the room with her daughter while she was disclosing because for a number of reasons, right? Mom was emoting too much too many tears, too much stuff like that. And then Grace would try to take care of her and not tell all the bad things that had happened. And so fortunately, mom trusted me and Grace trusted me, which was super important. And she came in and she talked about the tickling and she talked about the fish guy. Does he have a name? His name's Stanley. So Stanley had asked this little 12-year-old girl, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she's like, "Um, I don't know. Do you want to be bad? What? To a 12-year-old girl. How old is Stanley? Well, Stanley was in his 60s at the time. Another question. Your friend that originally calls you about this odd interaction with Stanley, the fish shop owner. I just call him the fish guy. Okay. Got it. What's your friend's name? Jenny. So, Jenny, your friend calls you to give you a heads up that she just had an odd interaction with the owner of this fish shop. And then this other mother calls about the interaction she had at the fish shop and that while this is happening, her daughter is also disclosing in the car. Does Jenny and Grace's mother know each other? Nope. Completely unrelated. Completely unrelated. And what I didn't know at the time is about two weeks previous, 
another mom and daughter had been in the store and he had brushed up against that mom and then talked about her seven-year-old daughter and how in a couple of years, you're going to have a hard time keeping the boys off. Oh my God. Right? Every female that went in that store had some sort of inappropriate interaction with this man. So Grace and her mother come into your office and you separate Grace from mom so we don't have contamination issues. Kids will adopt the posture that their parents have as horrible news is coming out. So if the parents are horrified and are having a breakdown, kids will shut down because they recognize what I'm saying is causing that in my parent. So they want to take care of that person and you won't get a clean, full disclosure. So to keep it clean, separate them, get the information from Grace. And what does Grace explain to you? Well, Grace explained exactly that, right? That the fish guy basically had her put her hands out that she thought he was going to play a game, right? And that he reached out, but he reached out to her groin, to her pelvic area. And then she talks about his thumbs being at the crease of her thigh, right next to her vagina, and his hands actually wrapping around because she's a small girl, right? And touching her buttocks. And she said that she just ran and she ran into her grandma and just hugged her grandma, didn't want to look at this guy or talk about it, right? She was ashamed of being a victim, right? And it was very interesting in talking to her because she kept saying, I thought he was playing. You could see her processing, right? And then she said, he was pervy. So of course, she's a 12-year-old and I'm like, well, tell me what pervy means. Pervy means that he wants to take you someplace and rape you. And this is a 12-year-old saying that. So she's processing this and also processing shame of being a victim, right? And the only person in that room that needed to be ashamed was that man. Right, was Stanley. Yeah, Stanley. So this is twice now you've heard Stanley as person of interest in odd, inappropriate interactions with females. One of them is a child. Correct. And I'm guessing you start pulling case numbers at that point. Yeah, I start looking at him and the decision to send an undercover female into the fish shop occurs. And so that female was me. And I decided, okay, I'm going to send in the male undercover first. And so he's already in there. Why is that? I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. And if I was going to make an arrest immediately, I did want cover in there. Walking in together, I didn't think would be... Safe, right? Yeah. I get it. So if you walk in there with a male, Stanley might think twice about doing something awful to you. Yes? Yes. I just wanted to walk in alone as a lone female. And so when I walked in, I had my hair down in a braid along the side. My hair is pretty long, so it's pretty visible. So when I walked in, I encountered Stanley and I told him that I wanted to buy a fish for my daughter for her birthday. And he's like, okay. And he starts talking to me and we're having a conversation. And as he's talking to me, he starts walking away. A person's natural inclination then is to follow, right? So I follow him to this back portion of this fish shop and there's these huge like vats of guppies and they have these black hoses going into him and he starts moving these hoses around. And as he's moving these hoses around, he takes one of the hoses and he reaches elbow out and he brushes right across my breasts. And I was like, dude, I think I just got touched. But truly it was, I think I just got touched because he did it under the guise of actually moving hoses around. So there's this piece of me that's like, mm, this doesn't seem like enough. This doesn't seem bad. And do you think that because you think, well, maybe I was standing too close and he wasn't actually looking me in the eye. 
Yeah, he wasn't looking me in the eye, you're right. It doesn't feel intentional. And it just signals how skilled and practiced these guys are with the grooming process, that we've got a detective who works child abuse and sex crimes, and she's even questioning, was that intentional? So, again, it's on the grooming scale, it's unintentional or accidental, quote, touching, just to gauge the reaction to see what the person does. To push the boundaries. Yeah, they push the boundaries. Let's see where she's going to finally say, don't do that. Keep your hands off me. Right. How far can I go? And here's the other thing. I think females are sometimes conditioned to allow people to touch them, right? Somebody opens the door for you. They put their hand on the small of your back and you don't think anything of it. But really, don't touch me. Right. You don't have to touch the small of my back to open the door. I can walk through there on my own. Thank you. So he touched me and I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's it. I wonder if he touched me. So I move into a different area and I'm looking at these fish and the aisle is about four feet wide and the other undercover is at the end of the aisle. And I would say that that's 20 feet away. And I'm looking up at these fish and I see the fish guy come around the corner, Stanley. He comes around the corner and he walks right by that undercover, that male undercover, doesn't touch him. He gets to me and he has to move me out of the way. And so he starts moving me out of the way by grasping me on both sides of my ribs with his hands on my breasts. And then he runs his hands all the way down my body and moves me out of the way. What? I know. This isn't a pat-down search. No, (laughs) no. Instead of just, excuse me, I need to get by you. It's so bold. So bold. Grooming typically takes a long time. This guy kind of skips three or four rungs on the ladder. I mean, he goes way up the ladder on pushing boundaries. Mm-hmm. The crazy part is, I look down at the undercover and he does this universal sign of, let's arrest him now by, you know, pushing his wrists together, like we're going to put him in cuffs or something. And I hold my finger up and I'm like, wait, I don't know if he really meant to touch me. Don. I know, I know. So I'm getting ready to leave. My hair's in that braid. And this is the creepiest part to me. My hair is in that braid along the side of me. And as I'm leaving, I said, thanks. You know, I'm going to have to think about this, what I'm going to get for a fish. And he reaches out and he grabs my braid and he starts stroking my hair. Okay, that's weird. It is weird. And he says, does your daughter have nice long hair like you? Do you know who Lady Godiva is? You know, she rode nude on horseback, right? Okay. Right. So I'm like, (laughs) okay, right. And I leave. I get back to the station. I'm talking to my boss and I said, you know what? I think he touched me. And he said, you think or you're sure? And I said, I'm pretty sure. And my boss is like, let's send in another girl. And I'm like, hell no, we're not sending in another girl, right? We're not sending in another girl to get touched. And that's kind of when it hit me. I had been rolling around on those blue defensive tactics mats. They're these cushiony mats that we can throw each other around on and not get hurt kind of get hurt, not get hurt, with men for 20 some odd years. And none of them had ever touched me. And we were in close contact with each other. So clearly this man had intended to do it. And once I was sure inside myself, then we were good to go. Right. And was it the idea that another woman would be subjected to that, that made you go, wait a second, that was inappropriate. Fuck no, I'm not putting anybody else through that. Absolutely, there's no way. It's just that recognition, right?
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Have it to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey folks, Detective Dave here. Let me tell you about Simply Safe, the home security system that I trust to keep my family safe. I depend on Simply Safe to provide me and my loved ones with 360-degree coverage of my property and valuables. I love the variety of monitoring sensors available with Simply Safe Home Security. You get a glass break sensor, which in my experience is one of the most effective tools of detecting a break-in. In addition, Simply Safe offers motion sensors, entry sensors, sirens, and flood and fire detection. With Simply Safe Home Security, I have the flexibility to use keypads at multiple entries at my house. This option is especially important to me and my family. I can provide access to people I trust and limit having multiple keys outside of my control, all at the push of a button via the Simply Safe app. It comes with a variety of cameras for indoors and outdoors. And best of all, Simply Safe is backed by 24/7 professional monitoring for less than $1 a day. It gives me peace of mind knowing I can leave the house, I can leave town, I can even leave the country, and I know my home is simply safe. The mobile app integration makes it so easy to make sure everything's in place in real time. I check it every day when I'm away from home. Simply Safe is the best. US News and World Report named Simply Safe best home security systems 2024. And Newsweek ranked it best customer service in home security. With Simply Safe, there are no contracts. And if you're not happy with the service or the product, they have a 60-day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind. We want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/smalltown. That's simplysafe.com/smalltown. There's no safe like simply safe. So, I had a separate detective go in and ended up arresting him on one of the young children and started talking to Stanley about it. And Stanley's excuse for all this behavior, he's diabetic. What? Low blood sugar apparently. Apparently diabetes. 
makes you put your hands on women, but not men. I think that's also why it's important to send in a male UC undercover. You can kind of set a baseline. This is very specific behavior. He's ignoring the males and he's targeting females. That's a good point. What's interesting is the detective that we sent in to arrest him had been in there a couple years previous with his daughter. And the fish guy, Stanley, told this detective, your daughter's really sexy. You better watch out in the next couple of years. So, I mean, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what age the female was. It was just a female. He was just predatory no matter what. Absolutely. And sadly, you can't arrest somebody for inappropriate comments, I guess, right? No. First Amendment, freedom of speech. You can say creepy stuff all day long. Right. So these people's choice is just not shop there. And if they really love their fish, they didn't have a choice. They had to go in there. One woman who called in had been going there for 10 years, and she believed that she had gone in at least 20 to 50 times. And every single time she went in, he touched her. And she talks about the last time that she went in. She didn't want to. Her husband was going to go in and talk her into coming in. He touched her again. She was wearing a Betty Boop t-shirt, and he reached up and grasped both of her breasts under the guise of, oh, I really like your t-shirt. And she's like, I'm done. Just done. Ah. Yeah, here's the frustrating thing, though, is this contact with adults is a relatively minor charge in our state. It's you're subjecting someone to contact of a sexual or intimate body part, and it's without the victim's consent. That's a misdemeanor in our state. To get it to be a felony, we've got to get into age groups of the victims, if they're under a certain age, if it's by forcible compulsion, so you're forcing yourself on somebody. If you're the suspect and you find someone who's incapacitated, they're drunk, they're intoxicated to the point they can't care for themselves, that's another where this turns into a big-time felony, like going to prison, bye-bye felony. So in some of these cases... I mean, he's just going to get charged with a few misdemeanors. But then the stuff that really starts adding up for him is all the charges with the children. That's where he gets hammered. Right. That was our hook. Another detective goes in and arrests this guy. Mm -hmm. Stanley had made inappropriate comments to the detective's daughter in the past. Mm -hmm. You guys arrest Stanley. Is there a press release? There is. Once we finally had the arrest, right, and he's booked, we put his booking photo in the paper. And then... Women came out of the woodwork. Women came out of the woodwork from the 70s talking about Stanley. One woman said that she had been at his house babysitting with her friend. She was about 15 years old, but he never left. He stayed while they were babysitting. She had been wearing overalls with a halter top. Stanley put his hands inside the halter top and was touching her breasts. And when you ask her how long his hands were there, she estimates 15 minutes. So he wasn't like, excuse me. And here's the issue is some people will say, how did that person never report that to the police? And this is the issue with disclosure is that people disclose when they're ready to, not before then, that victims are ashamed and they're worried about how it's going to reflect on them that they did something to deserve this or they did something to cause this. And that's the stigma we got to extinguish is that when someone wrongs you like that, go ahead and say something. People are ready to stand up for you. So, I mean, this guy got away with a lot over the years and it seems like, you know, he was really bold when your investigation starts, but it sounds like he started that decades ago. 
That's incredible. What about the, um, for instance, some states have now new laws where there's no statute of limitations for sex crimes committed against children. Like you can still say, when I was 12, I was sexually abused and it was 30 years ago. What are the circumstances for this case? So in our state, it is 12 years after they turn 18. So if the child is abused at 17, it would be when they turn 30, the statute of limitations would be up. If the abuse occurred when they were six, it would still be 12 years after they turn 18. So it'd still be 30, 30 years of age. For the victims that were adults, because they're misdemeanors, there are statute of limitations where it's only a few years and you can't ever revive that case again. Our state and lots of other states are starting to move towards, because of the DNA factor, is that they're extending statute of limitations for cases involving DNA because they recognize suspect might not ever pop up and get a DNA match, and it could be 35 years down the line. So there's caveats involving DNA-type cases where we can extend that beyond the 30th birthday of the victim. One of the tools that we have is, say you've got DNA in a case, you can write a warrant for the owner of that DNA. You've got this DNA that's related to a sexual assault or a murder or a violent crime. You write a warrant for whoever owns that DNA. And if you have a warrant for it, the statute of limitations has stopped now. The clock has stopped if you get an indictment on that person. And you're just waiting for your match to show up. Those are ways that we can kind of stop the clock and get around the statute of limitations on some cases. That's really interesting. Did Stanley have a family? Did he have a wife? He did have a wife. In fact, he told one of the women that he touched, my wife says, how can you be so bad when you're so good? That's what he told this woman. And so I also had an opportunity to look at his computer. Can we get into your background a little bit? You can. <laughs> so I've had the pleasure of working with Detective Dawn on a few of my cases, and I know that she's got a particularly interesting set of skills. Do tell. I do have some sweet skills. I did computer forensics. And so because this man showed that he was so interested in touching young girls, I thought about his computer and we ended up getting a search warrant for his computer. And it was filled, like filled to the brim with pornography. And I found about seven photos that appeared to be child porn. And I had them checked out by a doctor in our community who deals with child abuse cases. And she's like, yeah, for sure. These are children. So that, and I also know that based on another woman coming forward, a woman named Linda, she came forward and she said that he had taken pictures of her when she was a young girl, when she was an adolescent. He had convinced her that he was a photographer and she could be a model. And when I talked to him about this, even though these pictures are nude, he called it cheesecake. And it's like, my definition of cheesecake is adult women making this choice, right? And it's not as explicit. So when we served the search warrant, I found boxes of those old slides of nude girls. And unfortunately, we couldn't prove the age on these or even identify most of them. Linda was not able to identify herself, even though I pulled some that I thought might be her. And so we couldn't give an exact age. So there was no charges in that regard. No charges, even though clearly he had photos of children. Encouraging child sexual abuse. Yeah. Yeah. So he was charged with that. Just going back a little ways, when he's initially arrested, he's brought down to the police station. Does he make a statement? 
Well, he did because he was confronted with touching me, right? I mean, because we had that dead to rights. I had, he touched me and I had an undercover see that he touched me and it had just happened. So he says he remembers me and that he might've just like touched my waist or something because he thought I was cute and sad and he felt sorry for me. What about the hair though? Mm, Well, he doesn't remember touching my hair, but if he did, it was probably okay, right? I mean, every excuse that he made, it was like when he touched Grace, it was like, well, if I tickled her, her mom was there. So it was like his built-in excuse or his built-in alibi kind of thing. So, and if I touched him, it was only to get by him. Or if I touched him and they didn't like it, I'm sorry, right? So does Grace get forensically interviewed? No, that was the only interview that she had. Okay, but she gives you enough to charge him with the felony count of sexual abuse. Yeah, so I also had child forensic interviewing experience. It's not like we took her down to an advocacy center or something like that. We stayed right where we were. I did bring out an anatomically correct drawing of a grammar school aged child. And she was able to tell me the body parts on there. And then she was able to show me exactly where Stanley touched her. So it was pretty dead to rights. So he's lodged under a set of charges, including some big time felonies that are mandatory minimum sentences. You serve every day of it. And then you've also got, I'm guessing much later on, you get into his computers, you find seven files that are considered child pornography. If he took the pictures, those are mandatory minimum sentences. But you also have a range with child pornography photos in our state where the first few are only this amount of months. But then you get over a certain number, like you get five to 10. Now you've moved up a category and you've got a much larger sense for each of those photos. So he's looking at a lot of prison time for somebody who's in his 60s. Right. How much time did he get? 15 months on a plea. What? I know, right? He was offered a plea and he refused to take it because he's going to court. However, when he went to court with his attorney, and the halls were lined with women that he had touched. He made the choice to accept that plea and our district attorney in our community accepted it. He ended up doing a no contest plea. What's that? So pretty much what no contest means is that you have enough evidence to convict me, but I'm not gonna admit to my guilt. Therefore, you can't use a guilty plea against me in some sort of civil case. Isn't that like an Alfred plea? I know you have enough to convict me, but I refuse to admit my guilt. Kind of, yeah. But on this end, that no contest plea saves him because he's got a business. So if there's a civil aspect to this and they sue him for all of his assets, they can say, look, this guy was convicted. And he's like, well, I didn't admit it. Oh. I never admitted this. Why did he get such a sweet deal? They believed that he was going to die in prison. And so they thought, hmm okay, we don't have to fight this and it's easy and we don't have to put a 12-year-old or a 7-year-old or all these women through it. It saves money for the county and we can bring another case in. I'm unhappy about this. Don. Yeah? What was your satisfaction level with how that plea deal was handled? Oh, it's frustrating when they don't get the consequences that they deserve, right? It's really frustrating. And it kind of feels like it dismisses the victimization of these women, but it can't change everything. My feeling is, is I go out there, do the best job I can, and I can't hold on to it all. I'd be crazy if I did. 
We always ask our detectives, where do you put it? Since you are one of those remarkable people who goes toward the things that most of us run from, and you did it day in and day out until you retired. You're married, yes? I am. And you have children. I have a daughter. So how do you balance seeing the worst of humanity every single day and then going home and be a mom and a wife and a civilian when you take off your uniform? Yeah, except for I don't think that you ever are a civilian. I don't think you ever are. And I don't know that police officers or detectives, especially who deal with this stuff, necessarily mentally and emotionally deal with it. I think they think they do until they start having intrusive imagery. I think they think they do until they see a parent and a child walking down the street and they're convinced in their own self that something bad is happening to that child. I think it's a constant struggle. And I've been retired now for five years and I still catch myself being like on high alert, like compound trauma is what it is. Is that a technical term, compound trauma? It actually is, or maybe complex trauma is another way of calling it. And the best way I can define it is that people who have lived through and experienced trauma, and then they have another set of trauma on top of it, right? They're constantly living on high alert. If you think about victims of domestic violence, they don't get to relax out of that because they don't know when the next time is coming. So when you're talking about detectives who deal with extreme indifference to human life. And I think that it is extreme indifference to human life when we're talking about people who abuse children or even people who abuse other people, then they're always on high alert also. And I think that defines complex trauma. I just figured out what's wrong with me. Dave. Dave, there are a lot of things that are wrong with you. <laughs> Sweet Dave. <laughs> Love Dave. No, that's well said though. It's, you know, you have these constant new normals where your boundary keeps getting pushed to the right. Okay, I saw the worst. That's the worst case I'll ever have. Hang on, got another one coming in the pipeline for you. You have to deal with this now. And you're like, okay. And you just keep shifting and shifting and shifting. And then you're like, God, that first stuff, that wasn't that bad. And that is not normal. That is not normal. No. Right? Is your husband in law enforcement as well? Fortunately. I believe fortunately. Because I think it's very hard for people who aren't in law enforcement to get it. And so there really has to be good open lines of communication between that couple. And he has a really hard job and I get that, you know, he's not going to be home a lot and he's going to have call outs and not a big deal. I know where he's at. I know what's happening. And so it's easy for me to understand. I think too, one of the things we have talked about with some of our guests is because of the kind of work you do and the kinds of things that you see, it can't not change you. And so... I'm always curious, sitting on this side of the table, when you're in a long-term relationship like that, how does it affect that relationship? Since you're both in law enforcement, Dad and Dave always say, no matter how much you try to explain to your friends or the people that you love, they'll never understand what you've seen. Your friends and your family who are not in law enforcement, when they hear things, it's a story. And it's actually for those people in law enforcement, an experience. It's something that happened to them. You lived it. Right. And anything that I say about being married to a cop, it's a hard job to be married to a cop. And we can't dismiss those spouses that are out there taking care of our cops, right? They do a good job. Right, right, right. This particular undercover officer in the fish store, what's your relationship with him? I married him. So... <laughs> My question is, at the time, this is almost 10 years ago when this happened, correct? Mm -hmm. 
Were you guys an item then? No, after. You had a working relationship with this undercover cop and any detective, doesn't have to be female, but your brothers and sisters out there who are working with you, you are ultra sensitive to what's happening to that other person. I can't imagine what that was like for your now husband to watch that happen and the visceral reaction that you would have watching that actually occur. Right. He wanted an immediate arrest, and I wasn't ready for that. You want to build your case. Right. I wanted to put it all together. I went into that place believing that he was going to touch me. So when he touched my butt and he touched my breasts, that wasn't shocking to me. When he stroked my hair and he talked about my daughter, that's what creeps me out. That was the worst part for me. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So after the initial press conference, when you say, hey, we have arrested the owner of this fish store, Stanley... What kind of window are we looking at when people are coming out of the woodwork? Is this a week span? Is this over a few months? From the time that that hit the newspaper, our local paper, right? Because he's a hometown boy. It was immediate and it probably lasted for a week. So there was at least three different detectives calling women back and saying, okay, tell me what happened. Tell me your experience. And was the community outraged that he only got 15 months? I don't think that they were. He had quite a few supporters come to court. And so, you know, it's really difficult. I remember that the judge was like, "Mm, you may have some supporters, but you're not a good guy, right? But it's really difficult for these women, these victims to then walk up and think about Grace at 12 years old, walk up, go sit in this little tiny booth on the stand and be the total focus of attention. And here's all these faces looking at you like, why are you doing this to this old man that looks like Santa Claus in a Hawaiian shirt, you know? And he did, he looked like Santa Claus. Part of the conditions of his sentencing was that he was no longer allowed to have any kind of customer contact one-on-one. So he lost his business in the course of this. And he also had to register as a sex offender. Do you get hazard pay or incentive pay for going and diving on the hand grenade in the fish shop? No. Were you listed as a victim? Yes, Absolutely. Yes, because I wanted to be able to get on the stand and talk about what actually happened to me. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. So he's out. No, he's dead. Oh, he's dead. Oh, he did die. He did eventually die. Oh. Natural causes. But he got out of prison before he died. He did get out of prison. Yeah. So he was sentenced in 2010 to 15 months and he died in 2017. How long was that fish store open? Oh, years. He started his fish store when he was 16 years old. And so it moved in different spots in our community and ended up kind of centrally located. And that's the one thing about a small town is he's the only show in town when it comes to fish. Absolutely. If you're in a big city, there are lots of different places you can go. But if you're into fish 
and you live in that town, he's got a monopoly on it. Right, and saltwater fish especially, right? Because not every place has that, so. He's got decades of practice on how to get away with it. Mm-hmm. What was his affect in court? Was he stoic? Was he smirking? No, he was the, like the disabled little old man, like feel sorry for me kind of guy, right? Like, oh, I don't know what happened. He knew exactly what happened. When confronted, he'd be like, well, gosh, if I did that, of course I'm remorseful. I'm going to try harder not to do that. And it's like, mm, just don't do it. Do you have to really try hard not to touch people? Yeah, it's interesting though. When I used to get a new case and say the child is between five and 12 years old and they start to describe this, quote, accidental touching, the testing the waters type stuff, then you get to talk to the suspect about what was just disclosed to you and you talk to the suspect and sometimes they do this. Well, yeah, I mean, I might have accidentally brushed against her breast with my elbow. I might have accidentally put my hand in her crotch. And detectives will say things like, hey, man, I've got nieces. I've got a daughter. You know how many times I've been accused of putting my hand in their crotch accidentally? And they look at you like, oh, you too? And you're like, zero. Yeah, zero. It doesn't happen. It's amazing. Everyone's like me. You probably touch kids too, right? You just haven't been caught. It's unbelievable how many times these guys have accidentally touched someone's breasts that they're brand new, just met them today. Oops. It's shocking. Yeah, if they are touching relative children, people who are related to them, then they're probably also touching children that aren't related to them. I think the statistics is like at least 65%. So if I'm a bad guy touching my niece there's a 65% chance that I'm also touching my neighbor's niece. Right. Ew. Well, Detective Don, fascinating and really troubling. I just am troubled by the 15 months. Deeply troubled by that. Me too. I, I thought the sentence was going in a different direction. You're like, 15 months? I'm like, but, but, but all the child porn, what happened? No, you plead that away, right? Right. That's what they do. They plead it away. So... The, I don't, mm. Anyway, thank you for doing what you do, for advocating for all of those women at the end of the day. He was at it for a really long time, and at least finally he was held up for what he is. Yeah, at least we could put a name on him, right? Right. Put the sex offender label on him for the last years of his life? At least he had to claim it. He had an adult child, I'm guessing. He did. So that adult child, were they present for court proceedings? I don't know if his son was present. I do know that his son started a romantic relationship with one of my acquaintances and she had children. She didn't believe that Stanley had done this. And so when he got out of prison, her children were around him. Oh no. It's really sad how people can dismiss behavior and then put our children in a bad spot. So his own family also didn't believe that he was- Never believed that he did that. Right. That's not surprising to me. Some families are like, you could have a video with DNA and four witnesses and they'd still say he didn't do it. Right, you set him up or something. Right. I had a mom one time, she was going away for the weekend. She told her husband, don't have sex with my daughter while I'm gone. <gasps> what? Exactly. They know that this stuff is happening. I guess they have to make this decision. Do I keep my man or do I protect my kid? Well, there's different reasons for that. It's kind of the same cycle of domestic violence that there's ways that these guys, and we say guys, we're generalizing just so everyone knows. We speak in generalities. Usually 
in a domestic violence situation or sex abuse situation, it's a guy who is the perpetrator and the victim is a female. So in domestic violence, they exert their control over their partner. They isolate you from the rest of your family. They are in control of the finances, so you don't have any options. If you want to leave, you don't have any way to leave anyway. And this is a situation where you have these male sex offenders and they've got the mother or the wife or the girlfriend under their thumb because she doesn't have any other options. She can't see any other options. There is options, but actually seeing them is harder. Right. That's brutal. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Don. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Small Town Dicks is produced by Gary Scott and Yardley Smith and co-produced by Detectives Dan and Dave. This episode was edited by Soaring Bajan, Gary Scott, and me, Yardley Smith. Our associate producers are Aaron Gaynor, The Real Nick Smitty, and Alec Cowan. Our music is composed by John Forrest. Our editors extraordinaire are Logan Heftel and Soren Bajan. And our books are cooked and cats wrangled by Ben Cornwell. If you like what you hear and want to stay up to date with the show, visit us on our website at smalltowndicks.com. Small Town Dicks would like to thank Speech Docs for providing transcripts of this podcast. You can find these transcripts on our episode page at smalltowndicks.com. And for more information about Speech Docs and their service, please go to speechdocs.com. And join the Small Town fam by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at, at Small Town Dicks. We love hearing from you. And if you support us on Patreon, your subscription will give you access to exclusive content and merchandise that isn't available anywhere else. Go to patreon.com slash smalltowndickspodcast. That's right. Your subscription also makes it possible for us to keep going to small towns across the country in search of the finest, rare, true crime cases told, as always, by the detectives who investigated them. So thanks for listening, small town fam. Nobody's better than you.